0: I think I think these have been an amazing two days for probably all of us I know for myself I've been away for since last year's three-month retreat and I haven't seen the other teachers for most of the year and we've been spending these two days organizing the retreat and Deciding who's going to do what and which yogis we'll be seeing and who's giving talks, what we'll be teaching, and other essentials, and just connecting on a personal level how our life has been for the past nine months or so. And in speaking with some of you, reconnecting with friends and people that I'm acquainted with, and seeing that you too have a lot of acquaintances and uh, friends that you reconnect with and there's a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm and um, interest to be here we also as teachers have had the opportunity to meet with the staff and to discuss with them what to expect or what to hope for and to answer their questions and fears and to reaffirm that we all are here for a common purpose we have a common understanding the staff the teachers and you That we value what goes on here and we're all part of it it's been a two days of just bringing all of our scattered energies and thoughts and aspirations and inspirations to be here and to collect them and to share them and to harmonize ourselves with each other and what we're going to do here for the next three months and it's really important to have had these two days to connect to get that sense of sharing space sharing time sharing interest and energy And for my part, I'd like to thank you for coming and welcome you to this place, this space, this time. And thank you for bringing your energy, your interest. I think for all of us, we've had some anticipation of it, of being here, of this time for months, if not for a year or more. And now we're here we can begin we can do what it is we have come here to do but what we've done these two days the socializing the connecting and getting here in body spirit mind energy is not all that we're going to do here there's really a sense of greater purpose in our being here. And at the pace that some of you were walking into the hall tonight, I think there's an urgency to get on with it. So this evening, I want to spend a little time in helping us move from The energy of socializing and getting here and greeting and welcoming and connecting and moving us as a group into and creating the space for the work that we're going to do to take the next step we've gotten here we've secluded ourselves physically from our friends and families and jobs and to take the next step to Seclude our minds, to bring our minds into ourselves, to withdraw from each other verbally, physically, and just move within ourselves so that we can see more clearly what it is that we are, what it is that we do. this time of retreat it's a time to withdraw from our usual and familiar activities and habits our busyness a time to go within to be private to be with ourselves in an undistracted way we have enough distractions within for sure but to lessen the attachments to our external distractions and to create here the space the safety to look within to those places and those fears those attachments to see more deeply into our experience and for that we need this place We need this refuge from stimulation, from distraction, from busyness, from obligations, from decisions. This place of refuge physically in the country, in nature, in this building, in the silence that we create IMS is really a perfect place to do this work and the staff which work here are committed to making the place and the space possible for us to do it. And not that they aren't doing it also, but they're here out of the willingness of their heart and their own interest in supporting you and others to awaken we create the space we create this refuge by the sincerity of our intention after a few years of my own practice when someone would ask me about meditation or doing retreats I'd say it's the hardest thing I've ever done and there's nothing I'd rather do and it sounds paradoxical to those who haven't actually practiced how can you want to do what is the hardest thing you've ever done but having put some time in on the cushion I now really value the practice that we do in retreat or daily and it's probably the thing that I value the most and I really respect those of us and those of you who are going to undertake this three months of really hard work if you have thought that you're coming here to relax and um, get de-stressed well that's true for a couple of days and then it's hard work we create this space by the sincerity of our intention the respect for the work that we're doing and the dedication to the purpose that we're here it surprises me when I lead retreats here and in other places in the country in Australia People come with all of their daily life baggage. And whether it's for a weekend or two weeks or a week or however long it is, once we open the retreat, set the schedule, people actually do it. They sit, they walk, they're in silence, they keep to themselves. It is so inspiring and so moving to me. And it surprises me every time i have a habit of thinking that the retreat is going to disintegrate into a social convention of some sort and that people are just going to find it too difficult or not be interested and it never happens that way people really surprise me with the sincerity of their effort and their diligence in pursuing knowledge self-knowledge so this sanctuary that we create here it's a place where we can really honor ourselves and the sensitivity to ourselves and others And in this sanctuary, or in that increased ability to be sensitive to our feelings and to each other, we can really discover that which is within us that transforms us. And not by reading or writing or thinking, but by being with our experience in each moment has a powerful effect to transform our understanding of who we are, how we are, what we're doing here. The practice that we do here, cultivating mindfulness or awareness of our experience, to free our mind from tendencies and habits that lead to unhappiness, has evolved from or through a long tradition of at least 2,500 years since the time of the Buddha. And for the most part, during those 2,500 years, this practice and the teaching has been passed down from one generation to another for the most part in the monasteries in Asia and the teachings and the practice has generally been um, available to those who are willing to um, leave daily life and enter a monastery or a nunnery For some period of time and often for a lifetime, to be able to hear these teachings and to have the opportunity to practice. Recently, in this century, it's been made, the teachings have been made much more available to lay people, people who have busy daily lives and are only able to take short periods of time. To hear the teachings and to practice. If we can remember that it's a very special set of conditions and circumstances that allows us to even hear the teachings and to have this opportunity to practice, we won't waste our time and we'll be diligent. We'll respect the opportunity that we have here. over the 2500 years thousands tens of thousands millions of people human beings have done this practice and even now as we sit here there are hundreds or thousands also sitting in other places in the world we're joining that group in our attempt to awaken This is a tradition taught by or a practice initially taught by the Buddha, who as a human being himself practiced like this to awaken his own mind to the full range of human experience, to develop his knowledge, his understanding, to liberate. His mind and we might ask ourselves why am I here what is it that has brought me here and each of us has our own answer from the frivolous to the profound from the clear or unclear conditions of our life something has brought us here It's important to ask the question, it's not so important to answer it. But somewhere within you there is a seed of understanding, of wisdom, a sense of the potential freeing of the mind which has called you here in some form. And the practice that we do here cultivates and nourishes that seed of wisdom that seed of understanding and as we practice over these days or weeks we're going to discover we're going to open to a greater range of physical and mental experience Than we may be familiar with and it's not easy to open nor is it easy to accept what comes what we see what we know what we learn but the practice is to to open to it to see what it is to be a human being to understand that We live our lives on half open, experiencing minimally what it is that we have access to. And as we sit here with ourselves, we open to much deeper, more intense, greater in every sense of the word, experiences. And in time, we develop some poise and some rhythm, some grace and ease in being with them. Being with the unfamiliar, with the painful, with the fearful. And in that, we can discover resources within ourselves that we don't yet realize we have. If we reflect on the path of the Buddha which we'll probably talk about more as the retreat goes on if we reflect on the attainment of the Buddha to awaken to the full potential and range of his experience and if we understand that we too have that potential we as human beings just like the Buddha have the potential to awaken, to experience all of life, to know it clearly. We can take refuge in the Buddha as a guide, as a teacher. We can take refuge in our own potential to awaken. We're not awake yet completely, maybe a little bit. And so, of course, we're going to have difficulty. We're going to have darkness. We're going to have um, some lack of understanding, fear, whatever it is. Can't take much refuge in that. But we can take refuge in our understanding that this is the path of awakening. We have the potential taking refuge in the potential to awaken. After the Buddha's own awakening, he taught what it was he had discovered. He didn't create the Dharma, he discovered it. And the discovery is of the way things are, the truth. what it means or how it is to be awakened and for us the truth or the way things are is our experience in each and every moment what you are experiencing right now is the truth and it's the beginning and the end of practice acknowledging what the truth is in each and every moment this acknowledging of our personal experience is the heart of practice another tradition says that the truth will set you free from confusion, delusion, those things which lead to unhappiness. One of the qualities of the Dhamma or the teachings of the Buddha or quality of the way things are is that it can be acknowledged, it can be seen and the Buddha invites us to see for ourselves. one of the words to uh, describe the Dhamma is ehipasiko it means to come and see for yourself to discover for yourself what the truth is not to necessarily believe what we up here say but to see within yourself we who sit facing in the opposite direction. We're not judges or juries or gurus or gods of any sort. Maybe we've had a little more experience and can share some of it with you to help you on the way. If, however, you disagree with anything we say, that's okay. If it's unclear what we say please ask for clarification and if we say anything that offends you please let us know in this inquiry into your own experience into your own mind we come across a lot of experiences that we may not initially understand or accept or believe and it's best to have an attitude of being something of a scientist where the body and the mind is a laboratory and you're just observing collecting data without trying to interpret it or analyze it or write a book about it or to compare it with anything else that you know just collecting data information acknowledging experience this inquiry is one of the factors of an awakened mind this truth Of our personal experience acknowledging what we experience in our mind and the body is a place that we can take refuge it's a place where we can feel safe protected and knowing we don't have to struggle for any particular experience or any understanding we don't have to perform anything we don't have to make anything happen merely to acknowledge the truth take refuge in this experience right now many of us many of you many of us have over these years done a lot of practices insight Buddhist practices Sufi practices Hindu practices Christian practices whatever we've done we've done a lot of things practices techniques tools for awakening coming to know ourselves and in their own time and with the proper guidance and in their own place they are helpful but for the period of time that you're here whether it's a week or three months please uh, practice as we instruct or teach here and in our interviews so that you can see for yourself what benefit this practice might have for you and at the end of three months or at the end of your stay you'll know It's either helpful or not. Beneficial or not. And it's the only practice that we can guide you in um, from our own experience. It's taking refuge in our potential to awaken and the historical Buddha. Taking refuge in the truth the way things are, our personal experience in each moment, and taking refuge in the Sangha or the community of people who practice. And we are a community here staff, teachers, and yourself. We're all here for the same reason, for the same purpose, we can take refuge in that the teachers will be doing things different than you, the staff will be doing things different from both of us and some yogis, some of you will be doing things different from each other but underneath it all is an agreement that we have a like-mindedness and we can take refuge in that when our own practice our own mind is shaky, confused, insecure, frightened, whatever it is, look around and know that we're all here doing the same thing. We can feel safe in this community of like-minded people. We can feel confident that we're being supported by like-minded people and in that it's easy to see it's easy to recognize that the work we do here benefits ourself and every other one the work that the staff do here benefits themselves and us we're all contributing our own part, what we can for this period of time. When I was in Burma some years ago now, there were periods of time in my practice when it would get really difficult and I really didn't want to be there and it was really horrible mind and body conditions. But when September rolled around each year I would know that for three months there were going to be a hundred people sitting in Barrie doing the same thing I was doing and it was enough support, enough knowledge just knowing that to inspire me or to support me or to carry me through a low energy or a lowly inspired period of time. And there are still a lot of people in Burma, Westerners in Burma, that who, who know that today, or yesterday, a hundred people are starting a three month retreat. And that's a powerful fact, very supportive of people practicing. And you can take support or feel supported by people in Burma practicing or people in Thailand or Sri Lanka or Tibet or wherever it is. So these are the three refuges that we usually acknowledge on retreats like this. The truth of our experience and the community in which we practice I mentioned that we create this space by the sincerity of our intention and the dedication of our energy and effort to the practice we're also supported in creating this space by the format of this retreat and I just want to mention and go over a couple of points the first is the schedule that we have designed and is probably pinned up on the board by now the schedule you see for tomorrow is the daily schedule for the rest of the retreat wake up at five (sighs) o'clock sitting from 5:30 to 6:30 breakfast followed by alternate periods of sitting and walking throughout the day talks in the evenings interviews will be scheduled starting sunday i think it's a very predictable schedule it's designed that way so that you don't really have to make any decisions of what to do When the bell rings, you stop doing what you're doing and start doing the other one. If you're sitting, you start walking. If you're walking, you start sitting. What could be easier? But as the retreat goes on, you'll discover that you find your own rhythm for sitting and walking, and that's all right. But initially, there'll be some days of just following the schedule. Not having to make decisions contributes immensely to settling down, settling in, and concentrating the mind. As a monk, when I was a monk for five years, as a monk you just don't have to make decisions for the most part. What to eat, when to eat, what to wear, where to go, what to say, who to speak with. Everything is decided for you. All you have to do is pay attention. I didn't realize at the time how conducive that is to concentrating the mind, unbelievable focus of mind from not having to consider alternate behavior, alternate courses of action. And then when I disrobed and had to start making decisions again, it was tremendously difficult and fragmenting and unconcentrating so take the opportunity here to not make decisions to let the decisions be made when to eat, when to walk, when to sit if the schedule supports you do it when you find your own rhythm follow that schedule is really convenient for a community of this size having regular sitting time so that when people are sitting we're not walking in and out of the hall, we're eating on schedule, really supports all of us in living harmoniously. And now, beginning now, the rest of the retreat will be in silence. It's really noble silence because within the silence, there's some talk, but only that talk which is conducive to awakening, understanding, practice. And within that we would suggest that you not read or write nor even commu- not to communicate with each other in any way whether it's by touch by look by gift giving but to just stay within yourself in silence, in private and discover what's really going on there without communicating it to or sharing it with others. There'll be plenty of time for that in the rest of your life. It's really a time to be alone with yourself and respect that in others. So the schedule supports our practice, the silence supports our practice. Space. Hopefully we'll discover some space, but around this place there are space for yogis, space for staff, space for males, space for females, and respect that. It will support your practice in unseen ways. Not being in staff space or avoiding staff space. And for the most part, wherever the women live, let the women walk there. Wherever the men live, let the men walk there. In the hall, the men on one side, the women on the other. Very supportive to tranquilizing and letting the mind settle down. And it's helpful to slow down. We don't have anywhere to go for three months. Take a break. Unplug. In the creation of this sanctuary, this refuge, as a large community of a hundred and ten, or twenty or some large number of individuals we need agreements and Carol (coughs) spoke about keeping um, ethical conduct practicing ethical conduct conscious consideration for yourself and others and there are basic agreements that we all have in being here and I want to mention them and later we'll take the precepts formally to begin uh, this part of the silent retreat. But for all of us here, in the buildings or on the grounds in retreat, the staff, the teachers and the yogis, while we're here, we all abide by and keep the five precepts. And it really comes from an understanding of an appreciation of ourselves and each other compassion for and love for who we are and what we're doing being sensitive to ourselves and each other and our agreements are not to kill any beings that we share this space with and it helps to increase our own sensitivity and awareness of the subtlety of our own life to not take what isn't offered to not misappropriate property to not use more than we need to refrain from uh, expressing our sexual energy to refrain from sexual contact with others to speak the truth and in the, a commitment to the truth is essential for this practice so that when you speak whether it's to the staff about something or to us in reporting to be as clear and as simple and as truthful as possible is essential for your own steadiness of mind and to not use intoxicants the fifth precept to not use any drugs or alcohol that cloud the mind Other than necessary medication whatever that is some of you have talked to me and others about undertaking eight precepts and in retreats like this some people wish to and uh, tonight also you can take eight precepts if you wish the eight precepts the the additional three are not eating solid food after the noon meal Uh, to abstain from singing, dancing, uh, entertainments, and adorning yourself with uh, flowers and perfumes and things, and to abstain from uh, using uh, luxurious seats uh, and beds. For the most part, these are not so difficult, except in not eating solid food afternoon. you might reflect on whether that would um, be a useful thing for you to undertake. Um, some people find that um, not eating something afternoon is really difficult. It really uh, depletes their body or agitates their body in some ways that's not particularly useful for steadiness or clarity of mind. Fine there's no expectation that anyone should take eight precepts on the other hand if at some point you feel that uh, it would be really beneficial in some way or support your practice or encourage your practice and you want to take eight precepts and stop eating afternoon well, that's fine then you can take the eight, the additional three precepts for a period of time whether it's a week or a month or for the rest of the retreat whenever you wish to begin for myself I don't often take eight presets because I find I spend more time worried about the effects of not eating than I feel supported by not eating but I live for five years without eating in the afternoon so it can be done but it's not always pleasant So each of you have to make that decision for yourself. But in any event, we all will take the five precepts, which are really agreements that support harmony in this community. Real uh, support ease of being with each other. So that when we take care of ourselves by keeping the precepts, by keeping these agreements, then we support each other. And you'll discover, as Carol mentioned last night, that as you work with these training rules, these agreements, can really uh, contribute substantially to the steadiness and the clarity and the concentration of your own mind. to be spoken and I'd like to now um, formally offer you the precepts and the refuges and I'd like to do it in the Pali language which is the language of the Buddha so that you can get a sense of uh, flavor of what has been going on every day for the past 2500 years and the words we'll be chanting are chanted every day and have been for a couple of centuries. And so in that you can feel the connection with millions of like minded beings. And when I was in Burma, I was in a monastery, I was in a meditation center where <clears throat> at times there would be three, four, or five thousand people meditating in two, three, four, or five different meditation halls. Huge meditation halls holding up to a thousand or more people each. And every morning, in the first sitting of the day, they would recite these precepts and the refuges. And the last thing, each evening, they would recite them. And it's a profound and powerfully inspiring experience to stand in the middle of the meditation center and hear four or five thousand people really devoted energetically and very sincerely taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha and undertaking these training rules to support their awakening of mind and I hope that this uh, brief and minimal experience uh, ritual that we do here will support your own practice so first I'd like to pay homage to the Buddha and what we'll be chanting is paying homage to the Blessed One, the Perfected One, the Fully Enlightened One. And we'll do that three times. So could you repeat after me? Do you know these? (laughs) Excuse me. Do most of you know the Namo Tasa? Mm -hmm. Okay. Why don't I just uh, say it first and uh, those who know can recite and the rest can learn. Namo Tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambhu Tasa Repeat that three times, please. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambhutasabh Namo Tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambhutasabh Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambhutasabh Now we'll take the refuge. And we say, I go to the Buddha for refuge, or I go to the Dhamma for refuge, and I go to the Sangha for refuge. Um, please repeat after me. Buddha Saranāṅgacchāmi Buddhaṁ Saranāṅgacchāmi Dhamāṅg Saranāṅgacchāmi daang Saraang ga cammi sanganghang Saraang sanghang saang ga cam Budang Serenang gaama Du Budang Seranga cami Damang Saraanga Du dimpi daang saanga jami Du dimpi sanghang Saraangami Du dimpi sanghang saanga jami Budang saranang gacami, dati Budang saranang gacami, dati Damang saranang gacami, dati Damang saranang gacami, dati Sanghang Sarananga Chami Tadyambhi Sanghang Sarananga Chami (coughs) And now we'll recite the precepts. And the first one is to undertake, or I undertake, to keep the training rule of abstaining from killing. So please repeat after me. Panati pata, panati pata, we ramani, we ramani, sikabadang, In the second, I undertake to keep the training rule of abstaining from stealing. Atina dana, atina, atina ramani. Sikabadang, Samadhyami Samadhyami The third, I undertake to keep the precept or training rule of abstaining from sexual relations Aparamacharya Aparamacharya Vairamani Sikabadang, Samadhyami the fourth, I undertake to keep the precept of abstaining from wrong speech. musawada, Musavadha, Kwe Ramani, The fifth, I undertake to keep the precept or training rule of Abstaining from intoxicants. Sura Maryam, Sura Maryam, Majapamada Tana,
1: Majapamada
0: Tana, We Ramani, Sikabadan, Sikabadan, Samadiyami, Samadiyami. Are there anyone here who would like to take the next three? Precepts. We'd like to take eight precepts. Okay? please repeat after me. The sixth is I undertake to keep the precept of abstaining from eating after the noon meal. We kala bodana. We kala bodana. We ramani. We ramani. Sikha badan. Sikha badan Samadhyami. The seventh, I undertake to keep the precept of abstention from dancing, singing, music, observing entertainment, from beautifying myself with perfume, flowers, or cosmetics. Nacha Gita, Nacha Gita, Wadita, Wadita, Visukadasana. We suka dasana, mala ganda, mala ganda, darana, darana, mandana, mandana, we Vibhusanathana vi tana, we vi vi ramani, vi ramani, sika badang, sika badan, Samady Samady In the eighth precept I undertake to keep the precept of abstention from luxurious seats and beds. Ucha sayana ucha sayana masayana maha sayana we ramani we ramani sikabadang sika ami. Keeping precepts or practicing sila like this conduces to and supports our endeavor to free the mind and to come to profound understanding and at the end of the precepts we usually make the request May my conduct conduce to the attainment of the highest fruits of liberation. So please repeat after me. Ida me silang, Ida me silang, Maga pala jnana sa, Maga pala jnana sa, Pachayo, Pachayo, Otu, Otu.